helping church leaders amplify their impact and reach their communities. This is the Amplified Impact Podcast. Hey, digital communicators, welcome to the Amplified Impact Podcast, where we help church leaders amplify their impact and reach their communities. Hey, this is episode five, and it's all about leading and inspiring creative volunteers uh, and creative staff. And we have an amazing interview with Stephen Brewster that you are going to love. Hey, I know Easter is just around the corner, so I'm sure things are crazy for you. They've been crazy for me. Uh, my brother, Josh, just got married, which is pretty exciting over the weekend. I taught a workshop last week about utilizing social media and Facebook ads, so it's been busy. I know Easter's just around the corner. I've got worship rehearsals and all kinds of stuff coming up in the next uh, week or so, so I uh, hope you're doing well. Hey, if you didn't know, there's a video version of this podcast on our website at amplifiedimpact.org. So go over and check that out. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast in iTunes, highly encourage you to do that as well. And all of the show notes for today's episode are on the website at amplifiedimpact.org. So be sure to go over there and check out all the resources as well. And we have a special download for you from Stephen Brewster and the team at Real Life Church. It's their sit with me card that they use to encourage people to invite their friends to come sit with them. So check out the show notes page uh, for this episode and below the video, you'll see the instructions on how to download that and, and you can see the card they use. I think you'll really be inspired by that. Well, let's get right to it. Stephen Brewster is on the executive team at Real Life Church down in Florida. He was formerly the creative arts pastor at Crosspoint Church. And Brewster just has a ton of experience and uh, just love the conversation with him. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. Hey, Brewster, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love getting to hang out with y'all today. Oh no, this is this is great. I think I first heard you back. Oh man, it might have been like 2012 in the at the Echo Conference. One one of those Echo Conferences. Yeah, you were doing a breakout session, and it was just it really spoke to me. And so it's great to be able to to catch up here. That, I was so nervous that day. I mean, <laughs> I re- like I think that may have been like the biggest thing I'd done at that time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like freaking out panic. So I'm glad that it actually didn't sound like a complete hot mess. No, so. no, it was great. <laughs> so, so for those that don't know your story and your background, just give us a little overview of what you've done, where you're at now, what you're up to. Yeah, totally. So, um, man, I've been blessed to live a crazy adventure. My wife is super, um, kind to be flexible with us. Uh, background was music business. So spent a lot of time in Nashville in the music business. And then um, went to a church um, as a marketing director because they didn't have creative arts pastors back then. Left that church, went back into the music business, then um, got an offer from Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee, um, which Nashville's kind of home for us, to, uh, to come on staff and be the creative arts pastor. And so we did, and we served there for a long time, and we absolutely loved it. And then felt God kind of shifted us a little bit, and uh, we are down in Central Florida at a church in Central Florida right now, uh, serving on the creative team and the executive team down here. Hmm. And I want to I want to talk. I know you have a lot of experience managing creatives, and I know a lot of people listening, whether even if they're managing volunteers and, that are creative, mm-hmm. 
uh, or maybe it's staff people. I'd like you to dive into, because I know you managed a lot of people at Crosspoint. You grew a small team to a large team. Yeah. Um, and, and where you're at now, you have a large team as well. So uh, tell us about kind of managing creatives, what you've learned, how it works best, how you how you give them enough space, but yet keep them on track. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things. First off, managing creatives is 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 managing is a weird word anyway, right? I think it's more about leading. I think you have to lead creatives, okay? And so to lead creatives, you got to cast a really compelling vision of this is where we're going, this is why we're going to go there, and then this is what is expected of you. And then you kind of have to like get out of the way and see how they handle it. And uh, check in every now and then. How's it going? Are you feeling like you're clear on what we're doing, you're clear on why we're doing it the way we're doing it, and then um, get to the end and hold them accountable to to what they've created. Creative people, um, like we look at creative people like they're um, aliens, and the truth is we're not aliens. Uh, we're just like everybody else. We just want to be protected. We want to be loved. We want to work really hard and 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 accomplish the goals that are set out. But we need clarity on those goals because art is abstract. And, um, when you are not super clear on the target, I might think I'm hitting the target you asked me to hit. And you're wondering why I'm shooting arrows even in that direction. And so I think the number one thing, if I was like to prioritize leading a creative team, number one would be inspire them. Number two would be protect them. And then number three would be clarify the win and then hold them accountable to that win. Hmm. That, that's good. This is good. This is good. So I've got these, I've got some questions now based on what you've said. So what Fantastic. would be, so starting with the compelling vision, what, what does, give us an example of a recent one that you've done with your team or a long-term one that you've used, like kind of give us some practical, like what does that look like? Yeah. So I, I noticed with the team that I'm leading right now, we weren't investing a lot in our personal creativity. And so, um, I kind of sat them down and went through like a list of like these 14 exercises and then when we got to the end of it, I said, okay, guess what? I need you to be inspired every single day. I need you to figure out how to get inspired. So what I want you to do is I want you to find one thing a week that inspires you and then bring it to our staff meeting and we're going to do show and tell every Tuesday. So every Tuesday in our creative staff meeting, everyone brings one thing that inspired them and we share it with the rest of the group and we tell why it inspired us. And what I saw was that started to propel our team to just be a little bit more creative. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And then you, you, t- you said something about clarifying the win and then evaluating and holding that, you know, holding them to that. Um, how do you manage the feedback process? Because one thing that I, I know from my own experience with managing creatives is that it's a delicate thing, right? They're creating art, they're doing videos, they're creating all different kinds of mediums. And it's personal, it's, you know, it's something that they've made. And so how do you manage the feedback effectively so you can give the constructive input and stuff and yet not feel like you're just bashing their little baby? Totally, totally. So it's interesting because the creative team, they are, our our fingerprint is on the things that we make, you know, like the finance team, they're not super emotional about uh, the spreadsheets that they use. Um, we get super emotional about the art that we create. And so really unpacking that is a bigger leadership philosophy. And it's helping artists to identify where their identity lives and to realize that their identity doesn't live in the things that they're making, but in who God is making them. 
And so when you start to do that, then it changes the entire conversation about your piece of art. When somebody knows that I care about them and I'm and I'm and I care about their identity and who they're becoming, it gives me permission to completely alter their art because they know that I don't value them just for what they're creating, but I value them because they're a creator made in the image of the creator. And so I think it's really important. It, it, it takes a lot. It takes time. It takes an investment. But start pouring into the, the true identity of the artists and the volunteers that you work with. Find out what they like. Find out what makes them tick. Find out what their passion points are. And when they know that they can trust you and that you're going to protect them, they're way more open to your critique or your uh, evaluation of the work that they're doing. Now, sometimes you're going to hurt people's feelings, and that's just part of life. And uh, it's a it's a learning and coaching opportunity to 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 grow their maturity a little bit. Now, with your leading, you said 21, 23, How many? Something like something that. Like yeah. that. Okay, so in the twenties, some of of then these are staff in some level, mm-hmm. part time, full time, contract, or whatever, right? Yep. So how? Um, how much do you manage them the same versus how much do you tailor your leadership of different people on the team based on their personality or their style or their gift mix? So I, I, I believe this is a leadership principle in general, not just a creative leadership principle, but I think that you treat everyone different, but everyone fair. That's an Andy Stanley quote. And, and I think he says it better than I did, but the same principle. Um, and, and so like, it's like raising my kids. I have four kids. They're awesome kids. They could not be more different. And I can't, I can't lead Isaiah the same way I lead Ashlyn. Likewise, I can't lead, you know, this employee the same way I lead this employee. Some people need quality time. Some people need really honest, hardcore feedback and discipline. Some people need um, constant encouragement. So you got to identify the the way to lead. And then what's going to happen is it's scale, right? So I can't lead all 21 of them or 20. I don't even know how many people are on our team right now, but I can't lead the whole team the same way. But I start to lead through the people that I've placed in leadership. And so I start to invest more of my time in them so that they can then turn around and lead their team in a healthy way as well. And really, it's about health. It's not about product. When you create healthy environments for creative people to thrive, products follow. And so um, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and a, and, and a lot of investment. But I think good leaders, that's true of any department, not just, not just the creative department. Mm-hmm. And do you have um, some kind of hierarchy so you're spending more time with some of the people on your team who are leading other people? And, and what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so... You know, it, it, it depends on the season of life and the scale of your ministry. So when I started at Crosspoint, there was three full-time and one part-time person. So I spent all my time with those four, those, like, those four people. I spent all my time with them. And I taught and I trained and I coached and I invested and I lived with and I, like, we did life together. And then as our team started to grow, I didn't have as much time. And so I would lead, them, I would lead the rest of the team through the people that I had empowered to lead based on their leadership ability. Uh, I, you know, I read this amazing book. Um, it's called extreme ownership and it talks about how in the military there can be a campaign that has 500 soldiers in it, 
But at no point does any soldier have more than five to six people that they're responsible for. And um, so that helps create communication, that helps create um, culture, that helps create relationship. So I try to keep my, my leadership, um, if we get into organizational leadership now, I try to keep my direct reports somewhere in the four to six range that, that I'm pouring the most of my time into those four to six people. Now, I'm always open and available to the whole entire team, but I'm trying to really invest m the best of my best into those people to get the best of their best out of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I want to take a turn here because I think there there's some pastors listening. There's some um, small church communicators listening. Maybe they're part-time. Yeah. Maybe they're the admin assistant. And they have four hats and just communication and creativity. Got to get that is, bulletin printed, Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, you know. So what does it look like to, to manage volunteers and get volunteers involved? You know, it's different. Um, yep. and, and so what have you seen work there? And, and, yep. and all So that? I think it actually is more – it's more – uh, difficult to lead volunteers than it is to lead staff because staff has a paycheck. And so there's a little bit of leverage there, right? So you have to cast more vision than ever when you're leading volunteers. You constantly have to remind them why. This is why we do this. This is why this matters. This is why we do this. Um, I think you have to have really clear values and, and uh, rules of engagement. And you should be visiting those, those, those values over and over and over and over and over again with your volunteers. So that they're understanding the DNA and the culture of the organization that, that you're trying to create and the church that you're trying to create. And whether you're a church of 30 people or a church of 30,000, um, values and vision are vital. Values create how we do what we do. Vision creates why we do what we do. And vision leaks really, really fast. So we're constantly refilling that vision tank over and over again. Um, and, uh, and then empower, empower. I think the smaller that a team is, the more empowerment you have to create and the more uh, delegation you have to actually give. You have to create um, special, uh, generalists. You know, as an organization grows, you can generalize, you can specialize people to the task. But when a, when a team's small, you have to generalize. And so you're going to be really, really generalized, but you're going to be pouring into people with a ton of vision a ton of expectation and and hopefully really clear clarity on what you need them to help you with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. And, and, and do you have us um, in a sense of like your staff that are managing volunteers, do you keep the same? I mean, what, what kind of ratio do you try to keep in terms of a staff person managing volunteers, you know, mm -hmm. um, same, same rules apply for us. So four to six and then, and then, then you're creating a coach, a volunteer coach who's leading four to six. And then they're creating a coach that leads four to six. Just just so that you can, first off, it helps tier the organization. And you're going to start to identify who some really good young leaders are. And if you do that well, you're starting to identify your future staff members. Mm -hmm. So what, what are some ways that you keep everyone on the same page? You've got you know, your four to six direct reports, you've got the staff that they're leading, yep. you've got the volunteer coaches they're leading, the volunteers. I mean, it just, it starts to get complex and a lot of people doing a lot of different things. What have you yep. found to keep cohesion in terms of the communication and everything? So simplify as much as possible. Um, we, we're, we're going to have, um, we're going to communicate, we're going to over communicate in an effort to communicate well. So, um, we, we do a staff meeting, creative staff meeting every week. Everybody knows when they walk out of that meeting, 
what their talking points are. When we walk out of a, a meeting, we're going to make sure that everybody understands what the action points are and who's responsible for those. And then we make sure that we're just communicating constantly. And the, and the fun thing about communication is when you drop the ball, it becomes really obvious, right? So then we know, okay, this is where we missed on that. Let's make sure we tighten that up for next time. And it's a constant refining of the process. Hmm. And uh, th- this is totally out of left field, but I'm just because I know you have to deal with this. Um, so I'm kind of just curious. This is just my own personal yeah. question. But uh, in terms of because I think th- and I think this happens in small churches all the way up to super large churches. And that is you've got all these ministries. They all want priority with videos and graphics and announcements and, you know, kind of top notch promotion. And, um, yep. you know, there's there's that battle. And so. How do you guys address that? Yeah, so um, everybody's ministry is super important. We're trying to think of ways to capitalize on their ministry, right? So things that are going to get on stage, they have to probably reach 80% of the people sitting in the room or cast ridiculous vision, okay? Uh, When it comes to social media and communications, we want to make sure that it casts ridiculous vision and has a clear next step. And then we're going to try to really simplify and strategically pinpoint uh, how we're doing other the, the other pieces of communication. So, for instance, um, if we're te- if we're talking about um, a family night, that might get limited stage time. That might get a little bit more social media time. But man, we are going to market to our families through kids ministry, through student ministry, through stickers on kids, through emails to those people. Like we are going to target down to the demographic because that's thing, a thing that they value. Whereas if I'm targeting family night to the young adults team, they're like, I don't even have a family. I mean, I'll, I'll go to find a family, but I don't, you know. So, so it's it, a lot of times in, in communication, we want to broadcast. And really the power is when we start to whisper. Hmm. And we start to talk to directly the consumer or customer using marketplace terms, the parishioner uh, that that is going to be most impacted and create the most momentum for their life and through that ministry. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. That's really good. Okay. uh, Before we jump into the amplified impact round, what, what any church service planning tips in terms of, I mean, you're, you're obviously managing it at a complex level. Do you you guys have multiple campuses? We do. Mm -hmm. How how many campuses do you have? Uh, Eight campuses. Okay. So you're, you're dealing at it at a very complex level, but just kind of boiled down um, any church service planning tips for pastors that are like, Hey, I feel like we need to change things up or do something a little different or, you know, just kind of get that fresh yeah you know, so i think spirit. <laughs> totally uh i think the first thing is make sure you know who your audience is who are you trying to reach because who you're what you program for is who you're going to reach okay um remember that sundays are the top of the funnel and that's when you attract the most people who are don't know what you do or why you do it so when that becomes your lens everything that you do in programming every word you say every song you sing, every transition that you create has to be done to explain to somebody who's never been there before what you're doing, right? And um, I think that's the thing that that's the, the thing that can numb us to sleep a little bit. We get so used to doing church every single week that we forget what it's like for that person who's never been there before. And so, and there's a ton of different ways to do church. And, and I love 
that God is so diverse that he made all these different kinds of people. So he had to make all different kinds of churches to reach him. The way that I feel like God's called my wife and I to lead is we lead to, to reach the, the unchurched and the dechurched, the really gray, not the black and white. And so we're going to try to our we're going to try our best to create a really um, accessible experience on Sundays that people can come in and go, oh wow, this is cool. I felt God here. I want to take that next step, you know. Um, and so make sure that make sure you're removing distractions. Make sure that your transitions are rehearsed and planned. Um, make sure that your songs are accessible to people because you're asking them to sing karaoke and they don't even know the songs probably. Um, and then, and then, yeah, just make sure that you're targeting the, the demographic. Now, God may have called some of, some of the pastors listening today to reach a different group of people. And you're the, the group of people he's called you to reach is about depth and, and, um, you know, biblical literacy. So in that case, you're going to program completely different. You know, the songs are going to be different. The, the language is going to be different. The depth of the, of the communication is going to be different. And that's great too. But you got to know your audience. Mm, mm, that's good. That's good. Okay, so let's jump in here. This is uh, what we call the amplified impact round. I'm just going to. I know kinda, this makes me nervous. I I'm going to. I'm going to rapid fire some questions uh, at you here, and you can kind of give us your your short answers. We'll see how many we can get through here. So, okay. uh, what's the first thing any new church communicator or director needs to know on the job? Cool doesn't matter as much as you think it does. Connectivity to the pastor matters more. So connect the context, and then make it cool. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing you've done to attract new visitors to church? Oh, man. Or give us um, a few. <laughs> yeah, so probably things that, that, that meet a felt need. So like a family night or a um, doing ministry in the community or um, anything. Like we did this huge, at Crosspoint, we would do this huge Christmas thing that was just a gift to our city and we'd have 30,000 people show up and like, Anything that can be a production, that, that, uh, it, it wasn't just a production. It okay. was like rides and outdoor okay, festivities. Okay. And mm-hmm. Anything that's a give back to the community that you're reaching a felt need, and then you teach them about the gospel while they're there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, what's the most important aspect of a church communication strategy? Um, clarity. Clarity has it has to be clear. And it has to speak the language of your church and your community. Hmm. There's a pastor or someone listening right now that's about to start a new sermon series in a week, two weeks, three weeks from now. What should they do to promote it? Um, start talking about it. Equip your attendees to share it with other people and make sure that it's applicable. Make sure that there it's something that reaches a need that somebody has. So if you're doing a series on faith, frame it for your audience of Hey, you may know somebody who is struggling with their faith or doesn't know where they're at in their faith. Or this week, God may give you a conversation with a neighbor that doesn't know where they are in their faith. And then equip them with a tool to invite somebody to sit with them or bring them back to uh, to church to experience that. Well, what are your favorite tools in, the, in this particular context that we're talking about? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I love social media. So anytime we can do something on social media that makes it attractive, that's a little less sticky. Uh, there's a big difference between inviting and bringing people. When you invite people, you tell them about your church. When you bring people, you actually physically have them come with you and sit in the in and in, in have an experience with you. Uh, so we started doing this thing called "Sit with Me" cards, and every week we end our service talking about here's your card, 
It says sit with me on it. Find somebody this week and invite them to come and sit with you and bring them to church with you. So they don't need the card when they're having the conversation, but what it does is it starts to help develop an invite culture in your church, right? And then, and then we're starting to hear stories of people who use the card to invite people to sit with them at church. Um, and so then you start sharing those stories with your staff and your congregation, and then people are like, oh, wait, why am I not doing this? And then it starts, it just starts to register, you know, seven, seven, the law of seven impressions. After about that seventh time they've heard about it, they're like, Oh, I'm at the the pharmacy today, and the pharmacist tells me that their kid is struggling with something. Hey, why don't you guys come to church with me this weekend and sit with me? I go to the 9:30 service at this this church, and I'll meet you in the lobby. And here's my number, you know. So wow, that's great. That's great. Yeah. What's your favorite app or tool or website for ministry? Yeah, for ministry. Okay, so I, that's a tough one because there's a couple. Um, go ahead. Uh, I love the uh, the um, the Willow Creek created the Global Leadership Summit Next app. Uh, that's so full of like amazing stuff. Um, I love music's huge for me, so Apple the Apple Music app is huge. And then Flipboard is like my most important app, and so like because it aggregates information for me. Like I want to cons- constantly be consuming what's happening in the in the world around me. So Flipboard helps me do that, and. Um, and then I'd get to do some coaching with people. So I've actually invited everyone who's I've ever coached to a board and we all share stuff. So it's like continued learning. So Flipboard is probably the most powerful tool that I use. That's cool. I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Um, what's the best way for a church to utilize social media? Ooh, Facebook, unfortunately. It's my least favorite, but it's the most powerful. Um, now, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, they're all super important. But Facebook's Walmart. That's where the most people are. So start sharing the culture and the stories and the influence of your church on Facebook. Don't just tell people about your church. Tell them things that they can get value from from your church. So inspire them, encourage them, edify them, and then also work in some information. Hmm, hmm, That's good. All right, last question. Um, Who should I interview next on the podcast and why? Oh, man. That's a great question. I there, I have a ton of friends. I think you should interview um, uh, Phil Bodel from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Awesome communication guy, super cool, and you guys would love each other. Okay, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to him. Thanks. All yep. right. So, uh, how can people connect with you, Brewster? This has been great. I want people to be able to stay in contact oh, with you. And thanks so much. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I'm on social media, um, Instagram, Snapchat. Twitter is B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R, my name, with a, a little underscore between the B and the R. Um, I have a website, stephenbrewster.me, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R.me, uh, and then all the links are there as well, and then Facebook is at backslash Brewster me. All right. All right. Hey, thanks so much. This has been great. I, I, I feel like I could talk with you for another hour or two, but uh, oh, man, you know, this, this is great, so I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Brewster, thanks again for being on the podcast. Man, that was so much fun. And be sure to go check out uh, him on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter. It's B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R. 
uh, or you can hit him on his website at stephenbrewster.me. All the links to everything that we talked about are in the show notes uh, on the page. So go to amplifiedimpact.org to see all of that. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, if you want to get the sit with me card that they use at Real Life Church, just go to the show notes page and you'll see the link there and the instructions on how to download that. I hope you find it useful. Well, this has been another episode of the Amplified Impact Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this as much as we are. Until next time, amp it up.